what you're about to hear uh, was recorded some years ago uh, before the great falling out between Smithies and Grant Smithies and myself. Um, our reviews became much better after that when we decided we really didn't like each other. Uh, what we're doing in the following broadcast hour, uh, just having a look at lyrics that we think are worthy of having a look at. And it's a big fat two-parter. The reason why, um, because it was great fun and also we're doing this poem thing, Read Me a Poem, on Sunday nights. Tim Finn is our guest next uh, tomorrow night. He'll be on around about the 10.30 mark, great lyricist. He reads us a poem that he likes and tells us why. Pretty simple, really. Um, but, and he will also feature in the musical thing after 11 o'clock tomorrow night. But um, thought this worthy, apt, and meshes well with a running theme which has been going on for a few weeks. So, here you go. The Weekend Variety Wireless. Here it is. We've been discussing this for a little while. We could discuss it forever, and it's fraught with danger in as much as you cannot get together the ultimate array of absolutely brilliant lyrics because it's a vast field of brilliance, really, isn't it? But it's what we're going to do anyway. Grant Smithies, hello. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're going to give it a burl. Well, the listeners will be going, but what about, but what about, but what about, and we go, yes, 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 but we've only got a probably programming time, maximum of 40 minutes. They're welcome to email with suggestions, though, because I think there'd be a few weeks where you could rampage through killer lyrics. Sure. I was quite surprised with some of your selections, so I just want to please explain. I, I'm, I'm not Such saying is. that they're not. Only have eyes for you. Now, this particular version, why, why do you like it so uh, much? The Flamingos mm. version, you know, there's one thing just reading a lyric on a page like a piece of poetry, but another thing about hearing a lyric that's, you know, utterly perfect is how it fits with the backing track. Mm. And that's what I really love about this. It's a cover version of a song that's been done so many times, but over a thousand. But this came out in 1959, and I think the feeling of some kind of blind love hazy, intoxicated thing is captured in this version better than any of the other zillions that people have done. But the lyrics are the same nonetheless, aren't they, in each version? Okay. Yeah, and the lyrics are kind of deliberately secondary, but they work in the context of the song. So for okay. me, it's just a great bit of lyric writing. And the line, I only have eyes for you, is lovely. Yeah, you know? it is. But, you know, do some shabby rhymes. It rhymes, you know, moon may be high but I can't see a thing in the sky because I only have eyes for you. Things that look terrible on the page. Oh, but it's nonetheless a glorious song. That's why I thought it's a good example to play of something that works within the context of what it's trying to do. Yeah, um, there are many angles you can look at worthy lyrics from. Because for... some work on the page brilliantly, yeah. but don't necessarily gel with the musical backing that's been applied to the main. And some work in both ways. OK, let's play it. The Flamingos Only Have Eyes For You. My love must be a kind of blind love I can't see anyone but you I don't know. 
lovely thing. I see what you mean. It's perfectly formed uh, yeah. for its job. The, those... the most elegant, sophisticated doo-wop tune of its day, I think. All right. One of my enduring favourites, lyrically, and I think it's a beautiful song as well. This is Simon and his friend Garfunkel. Their tune, America, it's sort of a late piece for Simon and Garfunkel, and it has a really interesting history. Paul Simon just decided to stop touring and go and spend some time with his girlfriend, Kathy Chivers, or Chil- well, it doesn't matter. Her, her name was Kathy, and they did a bit of a road trip around the USA, and this is clearly a reflection of that. It's beautiful in that it's... It's sort of like two young lovers from a small town and they're wanting to go to the big city and find America. And the irony at the end is that, oh dear, counting the cars on the New Jersey turnstile, they've all come to look for America. So rather than feeling special, they go, oh goodness, we are in rather a big queue, which I think is a lovely thing. But the imagery in it is stunning. But the overwhelming thing that impresses me So many lyrics read like poetry. And when written down, this song is almost always written down like it is poetry. But it's prose. I think it's prose. It reads like a novel rather than a poem. Let us be lovers. We'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. You know, that's like you go into the bottom of your bag and it's dusty and you've got dirt. So we bought a packet of cigarettes and Mrs. Wagner's pies, and we'd walked off to look for America. Kathy, I said, as we boarded the Greyhound in Pittsburgh. Michigan seems like a dream to me now. It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. It, it just reads like yeah. prose. Yeah, yeah, it does. It reads like you've chopped the first bit off a short story. Yeah. Yep. I said, be careful, his bow tie's really a camera. You know, playing games with the people on the bus. Yep. Who might that be? What's his background? Just the sort of things you do. Yeah. Toss me a cigarette. I think there's one in my raincoat. We smoked the last one an hour ago. So I looked at the scenery. She read her magazine. And the moon rose over an open field. Kathy, I'm lost, I said. Though I knew she was sleeping. Not many sets of lyrics can you lay out on paper and it reads like gorgeous short story prose. Let us be lovers, we'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and this is where and walked off to look for America. Kathy, I said as we boarded a greyhound in Pittsburgh. This shipping seems like a dream to me now. Took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. I've come to look for America. Laughing on the bus, playing games with the faces. She said the man in the gabardine suit was a spy. I said, be careful, his bow tie is real.
cigarette I think there's one in my raincoat We smoked the last one an hour ago So I looked at the scenery She read her magazine And the moon rose over an open field Feel free to have your suggestions. No guarantee we're going to be uh, playing them all over. It'll take a year, really, because uh, it's a vast area, but well worth having a lash. Weekend Variety Wireless. Radio Live, Grant Smithies on the other end of the line. Spent a couple of weeks thinking about this a bit, and we can think about it further. This won't be the only thing we do on uh, worthy lyrics. You can pick another one. Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers' first album... I love Roadrunner of this. I love the writing of it and the sound of it and everything about it. But I think lyrically it's interesting because Jonathan Richmond growing up in Boston was the world's biggest Velvet Underground obsessive. You know, he used to find ways of hanging around with them when they came through Boston. He moved to New York for a while when he was just in his late teens to be closer to them and ended up sleeping on um, their manager, Steve Sesnick's sofa. You know, he wrote loads of songs about abstinence from drugs and not chasing sex and being straight. He wrote a song called I'm Straight. This is him writing about the simple delight of driving around the kind of ring road around Boston, Route 128, being young, bored, driving all night with the radio on to because it's exciting. It's got great lines like going faster miles an hour rather than any actual number of them. And in the end, it turns into the in love with Massachusetts and the neon when it's cold outside and he describes that feeling of being in a car going through a landscape with the radio on, talking about the power of the AM and so on. It's a ripper. One, two, three, four, five, six.
Jonathan Richmond and Road Runner. Um, it's speaking of Jonathan Richmond being peculiarly for rock music in the 60s and 70s, really straight. I've got a small story. Uh, Jonathan Richmond opened for a band I was in once. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? <laughs> no. <laughs> he wanted to get to bed before 10. That's yeah. fantastic. No, no, I'm going to play first. You, yeah. you, you guys play second. Okay. Um, I'd just like to array... Uh, a few samples of neat ideas, uh, mechanics in, in lyric writing that really, really work. First up, it's Sid Barrett. Whatever one thinks of David Gilmour, for some reason he hung on to this recording because he didn't think it was worthy of being released because he was afraid that people will point and laugh and say he's mad. David, David, dear, dear David, this is not the work of madness. This is the work of genius. All you have to do is take a more nuanced look at what Sid Barrett is doing. The tune is called Opal. The trick is an onomatopoeia. Now, a madman raving does not put this amount of effort into writing a lyric. He describes a shoreline. On a distant shore, miles from land, stands the ebony totem in ebony sand. A dream in a mist of grey on a far distant shore. Vuh, that's nice enough imagery already. Yeah. But have a listen to how he depicts. You can actually hear the shoreline, the small waves on a, on a flat shore. You can hear it here. The pebble that stood alone and driftwood lies half buried. Warm shallow waters sweep shells. So the cockles shine. Warm shallow water sweeps shells. So the cockles shine. See? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Damn clever. Warm shallow waters sweep shells. So the cockles shine. Another trick is a pause. I love the pause that Jimmy Webb put in Galveston when the storyteller is at war and he says, I am so afraid of dying. And yep. you go, oh, really? Okay. The hesitation is great, isn't it? And, but why? Before I wipe the tears, she's crying. I just think that's a lovely pause. Yep. Galveston, oh Galveston I am so afraid of dying Before I dry She's crying. And another famous pause, Before The Smiths, How Soon Is Now. I was probably the first person in New Zealand to hear this, along with an array of about 12 others. <laughs> uh, I was working at a student radio station, BFM, and we got an advanced copy, and people said, it's here, it's here, it's here, The Smiths' new single. We put it on, and there were Smiths' skeptics, fair enough, just thinking that Molzer goes on a bit about himself. Yeah. The opening. I am the sun and the air. And the skeptics went, oh, Jesus, Mozza. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Of a shyness, that is. See, it's not the sun and the air. It's the S-O-N-E-H-E-I-R. Clever Paul. I'm the sun and the air. He wasn't being uh, grandiose. No, 
<laughs> but the pause was long enough to suck a few people in. Yeah. Who felt nice. like walking out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm a sucker for so many of his lyrics too, mm. I have to say. Like, I love to death this charming man. I think that's just a, a pinnacle of pop songwriting. First-person sort of narrative where the protagonist gets a puncture in his bike wheel on a remote hillside. Mm. Like, on a hillside desolate. It's just nicely strapped together. Punch, punctured bicycle on a hillside desolate. Will nature make a man of me yet? And he gets picked up by somebody in a in a flash car. Asks him what he's getting up, you know, he's going to get up to later on. And he says, I would go out tonight, but I haven't got a stitch to wear. And the man says back to him, it's gruesome, someone so handsome should care. So there's a nice bit of kind of gay flirtation going on. And then it kicks straight to a jumped-up pantry boy who never knew his place, which is just a direct quote from a um, homoerotic play called Sleuth that was turned into a film with Chad Lawrence Olivier and oh. Michael Caine in it. Oh. Michael Caine was the bit of rough boyfriend, just got a whole lot of interesting kind of gay subtext. And he's talked about it a few times in interviews how the kind of 80s gay scene he thought was just impossibly kind of gauche and so he deliberately used words like slightly antiquated vibes of them like you know charming and handsome and mm. the pantry boy thing but I just think it's a magnificent thing the way it sits on the, the hurtling Johnny Marr um, guitar with his marvellous Charming man. And then we return uh, really short samples of some lyrical tricks. Uh, weekend. Variety. Wireless. We're having a look at worthy lyrics. This won't be the last time we have Lashida. You can uh, give us your suggestions, especially why, I think. Don't just say, this is great. Tell us why. To that end, Grant, I'd just like to line up some other little tricks. Yep. Another trick I've heard nobody else employ, and that's getting rid of a word and you don't even notice that you've gotten rid of it. It's the ultimate in economy. Michael Nesmith's different drum, Linda Ronstadt's version's great. There's the line, don't get me wrong, it's not that I'm knocking it, it's just that I'm not in the market. Ooh, he gets rid of the middle it. Yeah. So it actually reads, don't get me wrong, it's not that I'm knocking, it's just that I'm... So he uses the it... To end yep. one sentence and start the next. Brilliant. Yes. 
and not the kind of thing that just becomes evident when you see these things typed out on a page. No. Like often when people are wrestling over greatest lyrics ever written, there's inevitably a good few Bob Dylan bores banging on about um, Bob. Not that I'm saying Bob didn't write some killer lyrics. Yeah. Another couple of tricks. No Beatles yet, and I don't really think they stand out as utterly magnificent lyrics, but I'm nominating The Word off Rubber Soul. Why would you do that? Do tell. It's, it's, I suppose it's one of these extra for expert things. Have you got a copy of the New Testament there? Me personally, no. No? John Lennon, after saying, we're bigger than Jesus, right? Yeah. So he writes a song called The Word. Which is what people re- refer to the good book as. Yeah. The album's called Rubber Soul, and it's sung by who? John. So you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, let's have a look at John. And his first line in it, after an introductory chorus... It's sung by John from John New Testament on an album called Rubber Soul, and it's called The Word. And I just think that's damn clever. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) Another little trick. I love it when a lyricist gives up because the song is about tiredness and giving up. Yep. And the gun club, uh, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, gives the idea of struggle and defeat under the influence of heroin. Yep. When looking for a metaphor... And the sadness grows like weeds upon a thousand, uh, what? Oh, fuck it. Weeds. The sadness grows like weeds upon a thousand. It's mixed. <laughs> Worthy lyrics. Bobby Gentry, The Ode to Billy Joe, written by Bobby Gentry. Oh, boy. This yep. is unique in rock, I'm pretty sure. I think it's the only set of lyrics that they expanded it to a movie. A song <laughs> yeah. became a movie. Yeah. When else has that ever happened? It, well, it's got the whole plot line and a heap of mystery in it. Everyone wonders, what was she throwing off the Tallahatchie Bridge? Yeah. And what happened? Uh, Warner Brothers commissioned it, and Herman Raucher uh, was the director. Right. It came out in 1976. But you might, it might be one of those things where you discover that all you really needed was the song. Mm. <laughs> Quite possibly. But yeah. none, nonetheless, unique in rock, I think. It was the 3rd of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay. And at dinner time we stopped and walked back to the house. And mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet. And then she said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Today, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. said to mama as he passed around the black-eyed peas well billy joe never had a lick of sense pass the biscuits please there's five more acres in the lower 40 i got to plow 
Mama said it was a shame about Billy Joe anyhow. Seems like nothing ever comes to no good up on Choctaw Ridge. And now Billy Joe McAllister's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Brother said he recollected when he and Tom and Billy Joe put a frog down my back at the Carroll County Picture Show. And wasn't I talking to him after church last Sunday night? I'll have another piece of apple pie. You know it don't seem right. Yesterday on Choctaw Ridge And now you tell me Billy Joe's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge Mama said to me, child, what's happened to your appetite? I've been cooking all morning and you haven't touched a single bite Brother Taylor dropped by today Said he'd be pleased to have dinner on Sunday Oh, by the way He said he saw a girl that looked a lot like you Up on Choctaw Ridge And she and Billy Joe was throwing something Off the Tallahatchie Bridge A year has come and gone since we heard the news about Billy Joe. Brother married Becky Thompson, they bought a store in Tupelo. There was a virus going round, Papa caught it and he died last spring. And now Mama doesn't seem to want to do much of anything. them into the muddy water off the Tallahatchie Bridge. We're looking at worthy sets of lyrics and there are a lot of different types as well. You could divide them into ballads, you know, the ballad story ones, um, Harper Valley PTA, that's a cracker. Um, <laughs> it is a cracker. Isn't it just witty and, and wonderful? Gentle on My Mind by John Hartford, that's a gorgeous piece of heartbreak where yeah. in the end it gets revealed cupped hands around a tin can I hold. I dip my cup of soup back from a gurgling, crackling cauldron in some train yard. Beard a roughening coal pile and a dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through cupped hands round the tin can, I pretend to hold you to my breast and find that you're awaiting from the back roads by the rivers of my memories, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. Soul era too that Smokey Robinson 
wrote like one of my favourites is The Tracks of My Tears. Mm. Marvellous evocation of being um, a breakup and then having to see the person you've broken up from out somewhere and trying to appear to be cheerful to you around your mates and so on, but being devastated inside. Curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Grant Smithies, anything you want to go out with that uh, doesn't matter if it ends before the news? One person we should give a salute to before we run out of time is Bill Callahan. I think he's a spectacular lyric writer, Good. actually. Yep. He can write lines and deliver them in such a way that they sound quite simple, but there's always something kind of mysterious. They're evocative and while keeping a lot of their mystery about them in a way that I particularly enjoy. You know, a little bit of a song will be descriptive and jump out at you and then something will just remain mysterious even when you've heard the song for years. It doesn't make me think he's being necessarily obtuse, but it kind of keeps my interest in so many songs he's written down the years. You'll find a lot of people trying to have learned discussions about loads of his lyrics and what they mean online, and he seldom talks about what they mean. But one comical thing I found was some geezer had written an epic thing about Bill Callahan as poet online, and one of the things he'd taken apart at considerable length, uh, one of the songs was Lapse, um, which various people wrote in and said, dude, that's a Chris Knox song. <laughs> Because there's a great version of Bill Callahan singing that online. This guy had written about how, you know, I know, what do you know, I remember, uh, you know, stretched out vertebrae, vertebrae spools of my spine, etc. How this was really a key um, Bill Callahan song using lots of his usual lyrical devices, etc. But it was on, Chris Knox wrote it and it was on Croker years ago. Yeah. And it was a cover. So that was, I thought. And he did it for fun. Stroke, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Okay. It still gets listed online on things like YouTube as being a Bill Callahan song. Okay, well. so which Callahan of his own hand do you think deserves a salute? One thing that um, always kills me is I Break Horses. That's a marvellous song where he's riding out to the ocean. There's several versions he recorded down the years, but the one I liked the best was on Accumulation None in 2002. And it's kind of in the same way as... Um, Dressed Sexy at My Funeral, he wrote some songs at the the time that were very dark about the relationships between the male protagonist and a woman. And this one, um, someone's following him out to sea and he says, you know, I break horses, I don't tend to them. It's, it's kind of cold and, it, I don't know, it just leaves you with a kind of odd feeling about the, the, the protagonist that's singing the words. I also love Butterflies um, Drowned in Wine which is on From Supper, which I think is one of the best smog records. It's got, a, it's got some lines in the middle of it about, um, you know, heads into town where he knows what's going on, where, you know, where up is up and down is down. Um, 
and then he gets into a bit where he goes, um, he's passing all these people in the street, and he goes, some people add and some sub- subtract. I love an expert, and I hate a hack. I love that line. There's just something marvellous about that. And you've got to bust up the sidewalk sometimes to get people to gather around. He proceeds to kind of gather a crowd somehow, and it's just full of lovely lines all the way through. Butterflies drowned in wine I'm headed into town Where up is up and down is down None of this fumbling around Some subtract. I love an expert, I hate a hack. You got to bust up a sidewalk sometimes to get people to gather around. And I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. Chairs aside and give me some room. I'm gonna show you something. Hope you enjoyed that, everybody. Uh, there'll be part two played next week. Lyrics in music, because even doing two full things, just scraping the surface, or barely even doing that. An atom off a planet, really, when it comes to the subject matter. I found something on YouTube uh, that should have been on YouTube years ago, but it's only just been found. A lecture by Carl Sagan, made in 1994, and seeing something we hadn't seen before, oh, man, it just made me miss the guy. He'll be featured tomorrow night on Media Stick. He died, I think, what was it, 1996. So whenever you get something like this, it really is precious. Here's a little sample. If you want to see the whole thing, uh, you can look him up. Carl Sagan, 
1994. Carl Sagan 94 will do it to you, for you. <laughs> Here he is, answering a question after his lecture, taking us to midnight. My question is, given all these demotions, what is your personal religion? Or do you, is there any type of God to you? Like, is there a purpose, given that we're just sitting on this speck in the middle of this sea of stars? No, I don't want to duck any questions. <laughs> and I'm not going to duck this one, even though I have uh, high religious personages who are close friends of mine in this room. Um, but let me ask you, what do you mean when you use the word God? <laughs> well, I guess what my question, it, it's like, is there a purpose for, I mean, given all these demotions, why don't we just blow ourselves up? It's why like, don't we? Yeah, what, what, is, what is our purpose? I mean, in, let me turn the question around. If we do blow ourselves up, does that disprove the existence of God? No, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a little late yeah. to make the discovery, but still. Yeah. I, I guess what, I, what I'm asking is since as we kind of make God almost go away in this, as, as he, through these demotions, and I, I, I don't mean he, because who knows what God is. But, um, but still saying it makes it right. sort of icky, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. We um, like it to be a he, yeah. don't we? Yeah. We've been trained to think of it as a he. Um, it's, it seems that through the ages, we have, humans have created a mythological framework that has always involved some kind of, often involves some kind of higher spiritual powers. And as... Every human culture has done that. As that goes away, as we know more and more that, and it seems harder and harder to prove that anything might exist like that, where does that leave us? On our own. <laughs> Which, to my mind, is much more responsible than hoping mm -hmm. that someone will, will save us from ourselves so we don't have to make our best efforts to do it ourselves. Okay. The word God covers an enormous range of different ideas. And you recognize that in the yes. way you phrase the question. <laughs> Running from an outsized, light-skinned male with a long white beard sitting in a throne in the sky and tallying the fall of every sparrow, mm -hmm. for which there is no evidence. To my mind, if anybody has some, I sure would like to see it. Um, <clears throat> to uh, the kind of God that Einstein or Spinoza talked about, which is very close to the sum total of the laws of the universe. Now, it would be crazy to deny that there are laws in the universe. And if that's what you want to call God, then of course God exists. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of other nuances. There is, for example, the deist God that many of the founding fathers of this country believed in, although it is a uh, secret whose name may not be spoken in some circles, a uh, a roi fainéant, a do-nothing king, the god who creates the universe and then retires, mm -hmm. and to whom <clears throat> praying to is sort of pointless.
He's not here. He went somewhere else. He had other things to do. Now, that's also a God. So when you say, do you believe in God? If I, I say yes or if I say no, you have learned absolutely nothing. I guess I'm asking you to define yours if you have one. But why would we use a word so ambiguous that means so many different things? It gives you freedom to what? define it. It you gives choose. you freedom to <clears throat> seem to agree with someone else with whom you do not agree. It covers over differences. It makes for social lubrication. But it is not an aid to truth, in my view. And therefore, I think we need much sharper language when we ask these questions. Sorry to take so long in answering this, but this is an no. important issue.